Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to the Deeply Graphic Design Cast, the show about all things design, from the creative side to the business side and all points in between. Follow the show on Twitter at Wes McDowell. Want the gang to answer your question on an upcoming episode? Send in your listener question to questions at thedeependdesign.com or via Twitter using hashtag DGDC. Here are your hosts. Wes McDowell in Chicago. Mikkel Morrison in Seattle. Nick Longo in Los Angeles. All right, all three of us are back, plus one, because Mikkel had a baby. All right. (laughs) How did it go? Easy birth, It was a total bitch and absolutely amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Just the way God intended it, right? Did you do the drugs? No. No. Are you kidding? Oh, Oh, my God, what a trooper. I know. I just needed Jason to be able to call me a... I'm an effing warrior, and now we're, I'm content. <laughs> you oh, you need a t-shirt with that. <laughs> I will, I will call, refer to you as Xeno Warrior Princess for the rest of the episode. Yes, correct. That's we were amazing. actually, I think we were at eight centimeters, and when you're there, you can't, you can't it's not an option anyways. So you just so, went. One of those wow. So I just went with the Ring of Fire, good man. Good Lord, good <laughs> yeah. Lord, the Ring of Fire. A little Johnny Cash in the background. <laughs> That's all you need. Yeah. It was well, um, wow. it was twelve hours, and we did half of the labor at home here, which was good. Was oh good. wow! Okay. Oh, close by. Yeah, even Oakley was standing face to face in front of me and breathing, helping me breathe through contractions. Oh, it was the most adorable awesome. thing. That's oh, awesome! Wow, wow. I, feel like I would be scarred for life. I remember that <laughs> video in middle school, The Miracle of Birth. I'm still oh. still scarred. It and nothing got graphic for Oakley. He just saw my face like get all yeah, crazy. Okay. How's he? <laughs> how is he liking having a little sister? It's it's an adjustment because mm-hmm. he's not the one and only, and we're not three amigos anymore. But he's handling it really well because we're having him own the role Good. of. Oh yeah. yeah! Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. Big yeah, we can see more pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Hopefully, he doesn't become a control freak now that we've <laughs> given him. The, we've kind of emphasized it's your baby too, you know. But we're, it's going really well. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's awesome. Guys. Congrats, good. awesome to the, uh, the the new addition in the Morrison household. So good for you. Thank you. And want to before we get started here, do want to remind everybody: if you're a new listener, welcome, and if you're an old listener, welcome back. We're glad to have you. So um, the best thing you can do for the show is just go on iTunes or wherever you listen to this. And leave a review, uh, leave a star rating. That helps us reach new uh, ear balls all the time. So that's what we're looking for. And that's how you can help us the most. So we appreciate it greatly. So before we get to the meat and the potatoes of the show, we want to give a little love to our friends at Skillshare, right? Because Skillshare makes it very easy to learn all the new skills that we need as designers and creatives, uh, especially when we're running our own businesses. You know, it's because when you do that, Guess what? You're not just a designer. You are also a, a debt collector, which we'll get to later. You're also a, uh, you know, sales salesperson. You do all the things. And Skillshare has <laughs> social networking. Right, they've, they've got every base covered at Skillshare. If you don't know already, they're an online learning community for creators with more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more. You'll discover countless ways to fuel that creativity, uh, curiosity, and career. The big C's. So uh, take classes in all those things, social media marketing, uh, photography, illustration, web design, all that good stuff. Uh, Whether you're wanting to discover a new passion, start a side hustle, or gain new professional skills, they are there to keep you learning and thriving. So um, I went on and took a little look. You know how I like to pair courses with the episode? We found, uh, I found one called Pricing for Creatives, uh, and then I found another one called uh, the freelancing guide to managing your finances. So, you know, and those are just some like wouldn't he, I wouldn't even think that was there. And it's like so yeah. cool to hear that that they're covering that. Well, you know, just yeah, to no simplify doubt. things for you, Nick. Anything you can think of, 
It wouldn't be there. It's going to be there. They've got a lot. <laughs> it's probably there. thousand classes. What do you want? So um, those are the ones that I think are going to go really well with this episode. So go there, check them out. Um, join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. You can learn so much in two months. And they're, so they're offering our listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes, absolutely free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash DeepEnd. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash DeepEnd to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash DeepEnd. All right. So we have got an awesome show for you guys today. Um, we had a few episodes back. We talked all about, you know, contracts and all that stuff, and all the legalese kind of stuff with our guest Angie. Yeah. And since then, uh, Steve... Pomerantz has reached out and said, you know what, Wes, that was a great episode. I think I've got a little bit more to add to that, specifically as it comes down to, you know, enforcing payment contracts and that kind of stuff. So yeah. we have, please welcome CEO of Freelance Collection, Steve Pomerantz. Welcome, Steve. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, welcome, Steve. So yeah, thanks for reaching out. I think <laughs> this is going to be a hell of an episode because we don't do this for free. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. I mean, we do this yeah. this for free, but no. we don't yeah. do that for free. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so why don't you go ahead and just start by telling us about Freelance Collection, how you got started with it, why? Sure. So my, my story, I guess, is intertwined with why I started Freelance Collection. So I started as a management consultant and did some film finance, escaped that, knew I wanted to start companies. So I sort of did a, for, a poor man's business school type thing. So I started working as a freelancer for startups, just sort of to learn the ropes. Um, in the course of that, I had a couple clients who stiffed me. Um, mm -hmm. And we can go into those stories later. But um, so that happened. I went on to start another company called Tuition IO. We help um, employers pay down their employees' student loans as an employee benefit. And then years later, I was trying oh, to figure nice. out what to do next. And um, a good friend, his wife had just been stiffed on a web developing job, and he came to me with the idea for freelance collection. And it obviously resonated with me, and I had had the experience before. So um, he was, it was sort of a vague idea at the time. It was, you know, there, you could do some type of business. He, initially, he proposed it as going to court for people um, who'd, been, who'd been stiffed. As I got further into it, I sort of figured out what the business should be. So what we do is if you go and search for a collection agency for freelancers or a lawyer for freelancers, you're not going to find much. You're going to find a bunch of collection agencies and lawyers whose websites look like they're, yeah. um, you know, a lawyer's website from 2003. You're not going to figure out, be able to figure out yeah. who does a good job at what they do um, and who does it well, um, who does it ethically. So over time, over trial and error, we've vetted um, a lot of different collection agencies and lawyers, and we've also found out that the the better ones don't even want to work with individual freelancers or one-offs. They want big bulk clients, so mm -hmm. we yeah. started aggregating mm -hmm. freelancers and small businesses, and so they view us as a big client, so we're able to get you into the very best providers ah, um, and get treated like a big client. That's cool, because that... That's fantastic. That's like such a missing link, yeah. man. That's great. That's the big thing I would think as a freelancer, um, the barrier to entry. It seems like you'd almost just think, ah, screw it. It's gone. Yeah. I don't, I can't fight another company, nor do I want to. But if you can pair up people with lawyers and attorneys that are willing to take on smaller clients, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the time, screw yeah. it is the right answer. Um, yeah. And we can mm -hmm. certainly, <laughs> we're going to get to all this, but one of the big things Good. I tell people is your time is so valuable, your sanity is so valuable. So that's always a part of the calculus. For sure. All right. So, Steve, yeah. why don't we get yeah. into just by um, how can people, because the best thing is obviously just to not get in this situation in the first place. So how can a freelance designer avoid that non-payment happening at all? Yeah. And before answering this question, I will say that when you Google, I've been stiffed, what do I mm -hmm. do? 90% of the answers I don't answers know that I want to do that Google. Don't do that Google. <laughs> I know. Okay, so, wow, phrasing. Um, I have not been paid for freelancing work. 90% um, of the answers that you'll find are, well, you should have done this. And so yeah. there's, 
you know, True. I'm going to give you the answer to your question, but I also think it's important that the Monday morning quarterback answer can be frustrating. So keep in mind that we're also going to give you mm-hmm. in this podcast um, strategies for what to actually do when, yeah. when you get stiff. Yeah, so, I totally want to play. I totally want to play that clip of Adam Sandler. Like once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Totally. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so there are a few things that you want to do, and they're all kind of common sense to to make sure that you that you don't run into this problem. The most important thing is just trusting your gut. Um, most of the mm-hmm. ca- probably half the cases that come to us, people tell us that they that they had the heebie-jeebies about a client before taking them on, but they did it anyway mm-hmm. against their better judgment. Um, yeah. As hindsight, do you mean, or do, or do you mean that they they share that with you before they even know? Oh no, no, they'll they'll come to us having not been paid, and. And they'll say, yeah. you know, okay. I, I knew it Sorry. when I first encountered this person. They weren't, you know, they weren't uh. giving me straight answers to my questions. They didn't want to. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you justify it. There's something was if you there. want the work. Yeah. I still, I talked about this on the podcast all the time, and I still am guilty of it from time to time. You know, it's like. 100%. Sometimes you just want the work or you, you want to be a people pleaser yeah. almost. And yeah. Yeah. You always yeah. get those signs. Definitely. Absolutely. And so there's, there's a Maya Angelou quote that I love. That's when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Um, and yeah, it's Mm -hmm. my favorite quote. Mm -hmm. You should absolutely always use that in business because it applies so often. Um, but beyond just trusting your gut, you want to follow the Google rule, the Google rule. You want to Google people before you do business with them. You can learn Mm -hmm. a whole lot Mm -hmm. with just a simple Google search Go look them up on LinkedIn. Um, a lot of the time, you'll find red flags. Well, not a lot of the time, but a lot of the time for the cases that come to us, people would have found red flags. Yeah. Um, okay. Then there are a few just kind of rules of thumb that you should abide by. You always want to work with a contract. Um, you always want to get paid something up front. 50% has kind of become standard. Um, and you guys could probably speak to that. I mean, what... Is that, That's what is I that, yeah. That's what we preach pretty much on the show. Yeah, I think you the two of you do fifty yeah. percent too, right? Or am I wrong? I'm either th- I'm either thirty okay. or fifty. It's depending on size of the scope sure. of services. I always do fifty time. now. I think I'm changing yeah. the fifty. I think you should, <laughs> Steve. Can I rewind yeah, I for a second, Steve, and ask you? You said um, certain red flags you'll find when you Google people. Like, do you have any examples of things people may find? Sure. So we see yeah. everything from we see if you Google the person, you'll find, um, you know, uh, like ripoff report websites that have commentary about them. Um, you might find on Glassdoor, which wow. is a website where people review employers. Um, mm-hmm. You'll see that yeah. that previous people mm-hmm. who worked there either worked at the company full time or have been freelancers. They'll say, you know, they'll they'll say this this you know things didn't happen the way they should have. Um, it, there are, and maybe you'll find out that they that they've been named in a lawsuit, or that they've um, that they've got a whole bunch of outstanding liens against their property, or something like that. You never know what mm-hmm. you're going to find, but you know, hmm. worst case scenario, you're going to learn something that'll help you communicate with them better, and you'll understand what they do, who they are. True. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should yeah. Google them anyway, even just just for that purpose, and then yeah, especially if they you don't know them and it didn't come through like a referral or anything like that smart way to kind of think about what what could be possibly out there right. with them you know yeah. even if it, even if they do come cool. come through a referral um we have a lot of customers so. who don't have contracts because they feel like something came through an, through a, a referral yeah um and for that reason yeah. they're like oh well i can mm-hmm. trust this person it feels like an automatic yeah. trust. Yeah. yeah right and one of the one of the latest clients i had i told the story um where it just went really terribly really quick was a referral um and I, yeah, same, yeah, same with I, mine. I've found since like, this is not going to apply to most people, but like, since I've started uh, my YouTube channel and I get most of my clients through that now, I find that referrals are my, mm-hmm. almost my worst clients because they're not already on board mm. with what I'm teaching on YouTube. So it's like those mm-hmm. people all hire me because they like that aspect of what I'm teaching already. 
So I get new people, and now yeah. the, now I get people that are just looking for a quote website, which is what I. It's a sidebar, mm-hmm. but yeah, referrals aren't always yeah. the best. Just saying. Right. So once you do those kind of check for red flags, um, basic rules of thumb of having a contract and and charging some money up front. Um, when somebody starts to go overdue, when you have an invoice overdue, you want to be super proactive. Um, and obviously start start by just being very informal about it and very polite about it. And, hey, saw you missed this payment. Um, let's just make it right before before things go stale um, or before, you know, before we start to get more overdue. Um, your contract yeah. probably should have some language about about interest accumulating. So you can be like, I don't want you to have to pay interest. That's mm-hmm. not why I put that in there. I just, you know, I really want yeah. to work with you in, you know, have a good working relationship with you. So let's just get it squared away. Um, but if yeah. you don't, you know, if that starts to fall on deaf ears and if you don't start to get a good response when somebody goes over, uh, when an invoice goes overdue, um, get on the phone or show up in person. Um, most people mm-hmm. don't want to be confrontational. It's a lot easier to send an email, but um, the phone is a great tool mm-hmm. and yeah. It, yeah. it really is night and day. Well, yeah. you, you get an immediate, you get like an immediate answer because I've always noticed too with the texting or email or any kind of electric conversation, it could be in their hand, but they don't have to respond. But if you have them right. on the phone, you have yeah. got them. And hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, as much as we don't talk on the phone too at all, at least it's very usable for that situation. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Right. As uncomfortable have- as you are with confrontation, so are they. So. Oh yeah. 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 Good way to look at it. They're getting a call basically from a debt collector at that point, which in my younger days, I've mm-hmm. been on this other side of that call before, like, you know, so yeah. it's a very uncomfortable situation for sure. Do you have any kind of um, tips on how to maybe a nice way to have that conversation start on the phone? Yeah. I mean, you can say first you can, if there's another work reason, you can have the conversation about that other work thing to discuss and then, drop, you know, drop it in. Oh, by the yeah. way, um, this invoice is overdue. Just wanted to make sure that that you know that's going on. Um, are you working to to get that paid, um, or when can I? You know, just wanted to confirm that I can expect that that payment's on its way. Um, yeah. And you know, most of us, if we were on their end of that call, we'd say, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, mm-hmm. I'm. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll be paid later today." If that's not their reaction, that's your first. That's your first yeah. reason to be suspicious. And yeah, I always, whenever it's a time for a new payment, like after the deposit and I've got a progress payment, I always tell them like on our weekly call, I say, okay, so what's going to happen now in order for us to continue, you know, I'm going to send this invoice and that has to be paid before we can continue. So I make it very clear that I'm putting my pencil down right now until that goes through, just so they don't think that it's like, oh, I can pay it when I get to it. I make sure they're aware of that. Right. I find that it's not business as usual. Yeah. 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 And I always give that advice that I sort of was saving for what I know we're going to get to next, which is. Oh, sorry. I stepped on it. (laughs) Well, no, you didn't. I mean, it all sort of (laughs) runs together because this this process, unfortunately, sort of leads into what you, you know, what you need to do when you realize that somebody doesn't immediately say, oh, let me get you paid. Right. Is there anything else you want to get to for the upfront stuff like yeah. the how to avoid it before we get into the the cleanup aspect um, those are the steps yeah those are the main yeah. points what i will say on on having a contract um you so angie a couple a few weeks ago um angie's a lawyer i should i should mm-hmm. also say by the way i'm not a lawyer nothing that i say here should be construed as legal advice yes um the lawyer's answer is always going to be, you should have a lawyer draw up a contract for you and, and you should, but some, you know, sometimes, especially if you're like a freelancer just starting out and you're going to have your first client, it might not be feasible to pay a lawyer to sit with you for Mm -hmm. hours, understand your business. Um, Lawyers are expensive. That being said, always better to have something done custom by a good lawyer who knows, who knows what Mm -hmm. they're doing, but there are other good resources out there. And if you Google, contract template for freelancers you're going to find some really good free resources what about like legal zoom do they do anything 
that's kind of halfway between the free thing and something really custom? They do. I'm not super familiar with their offering. I know that they don't have like, I'm pretty sure they don't have a free template out there for this. Yeah, I used them. I used them once where they do pair you up with someone based on what you need. And it's kind of spare time that I think what they do is they get kind of very reputable. I had a really great partner mm -hmm. on that. And they linked me with someone based on an hourly that was good with me. But I think it was spare time for these guys. So they could fill in their hours by helping at a reduced rate. So it was very helpful for me because it wasn't super expensive. But it was really cool to have a trusting person on the other end. Yeah. So I, I really high, I highly recommend And that's that a free you know. read from Nick for LegalZoom. So reach out, LegalZoom. Yeah. We're looking for a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, baby. Not to, we don't have to stay on contracts forever, but um, there are a few clauses that you probably ought to have in your contracts as a freelancer. You're going to want, I think Angie mentioned this, venue is super important. So something we see all mm -hmm. the time is um, we've got a freelancer who um, lives somewhere, maybe not even in the U.S. Their client is somewhere else that they just, it's totally impractical for them to go and show up in court. Um, if you want to have the ability to use small claims court, which we'll get into later, um, it's super important that that in your contract, there's in every contract, there's a place that says, you know, conflicts will be resolved in such and such a state, such and such a jurisdiction. Um, Good. I, I think if you're going to press for something, that's a really important point to press on that it's in your jurisdiction. I think in both cases that I had that I could have done something, that was the one thing I didn't have in my contract that would have been completely helpful because it was out of state and I couldn't prove they did business here in LA so or California. So Again, that was a good lesson to learn. I'm glad you brought that one up because it's true. I think it's and you're just really those... in trouble if they're out of country. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> I just stopped with that because that was of the yeah. three of my three situations. One was out of country. One was out of the state, and the third was bankruptcy. Yeah. So, man, <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So there's nothing like yeah, a perfect there's nothing storm. We can do for you. Yeah, exactly. The trifecta. <laughs> No, yeah, I'm just gonna sign yeah, up. Right? Bye -bye. <laughs> yeah, like I awesome. Well, that was good. I that just don't good. work with other countries anymore for that reason. Because if I I don't want to take on a client that I can't mm -hmm. feasibly enforce a contract if it came to it, because I think they probably mm -hmm. know that yeah. too. That's the thing. So yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, so, um, a lot of the people we deal with, we deal with really know that. Like they, yeah, a lot of a lot of the debtors we see are serial debtors and they've done this before mm. they know the drill any other uh clauses that we should definitely have in our contracts before we move on certainly uh you want to have something in there that says if you ever need to use a lawyer or, or a collection agency that your client foots the bill for that um that way you don't have to pay our hmm. fee out of out of what you earned um okay you want to have interest if their if their invoice goes overdue um this would be a bonus that it, it kind of, this is not standard, but boy, would it be good in all of the cases that we have if you, if there was a personal guarantee. So if you're dealing with, if you're dealing with a client that's a corporation, and this would mm -hmm. make sense if you're dealing with like a startup as your client um, or someone that doesn't have a track record, you could say, um, and by the way, a personal guarantee means if there's ever a, a dispute that not only can you go after after them, after the company, but you can go after the person, the person, the founder of the company or whoever you're dealing with. Ah, okay. And so, of okay. course, in their shoes, you would be super hmm. reticent to accept that term. But if you're if you're providing a service to a startup or someone, you know, without a great track record, you could make the case that. You could say, I've heard that, you know, startups are, or I've had bad experience with startups as clients. And for that reason, this is my policy. Um, but you might also yeah. not choose to go down that path. Again, if there's something that tells you to, you might as well put it in there. Because that's a, I think a lot of these little clauses give you a way to um, monitor how a client's going to, a potential client's going to yeah. react to them. Yeah, that's also true. Totally. You know what I mean? And and if they're slam dunk, great, never had an issue, they're going to say yes to all these things because they need the work. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. And I honestly, I, I haven't had too many pushback. I think earlier in my career, I had a lot more pushback on clauses and terms. I haven't really gotten that mm-hmm. in a while. I've gotten no revisions asked for Uh-oh. in a while. Hopefully you didn't speak to And that's completely <laughs> consistent. Your confidence, I think it has to do with a lot with your confidence in doing it a few times and feeling comfortable with it. Yes. Because those first few times I put it out there, I was like yeah. so hesitant to even talk about it. Now I'm like, Me too. it's the first thing we talk about. I'm like, you don't, yes. nothing happens. So if your yeah. whole persona on it is totally different and your approach to it, I feel like the confidence level is why you're not getting the pushback. You well, know? yeah. I just give yeah, them the too. agreement online. Like, I don't even, I kind of don't even remember what's in it for me to feel bad. Like, once yeah. you do it enough times, <laughs> you just kind of give it and you don't yeah. apologize for it. It's like the money conversation. I never, right. I never think. Putting it into practice more yeah. and more is the like, fix. Never occurs to me anymore to feel weird about asking for money. Like, Mm-mm. as soon as that meeting's over, I'm like, all right, I'm sending you an invoice and the agreement. And once they're yep. taken care of, we can go. Here's what you can expect from yeah. me. Yep. Yeah. I know we want to get into yeah. the next one, but Steve, one quick question. Do you suggest that we we talk more about this with the client rather than just hope they're, they're even if they sign it and whatever, 90% of the time, are they really going through it? Is it smart to maybe take a few key goals of your contract and talk to the talk to them verbally about it? I think that's I think that's a stylistic, a personal stylistic choice. Um you know, yeah. I I could see it. I could see it. I could see arguing for both both sides of that. Um, mm-hmm. I know. Most clients won't won't bat an eyelash. Some might. So maybe you want to proactively head it off, but you also might just want to avoid an yeah. uncomfortable conversation because most people will just sign sign the contract you put in front of them. Yeah, you're right. But I I, I know. But I I love to have that conversation now because after being burned big time so many for a few times and i really sure. say it was my fault um i should yeah. have been more everything we're saying mm-hmm. right now so to so me, maybe I stylistically I, based on that learning it's just one of those things that you constantly bring up and that's totally legitimate to me nick yeah for you yeah if you're gonna avoid yeah. a landmine with you it know? go for it yeah totally I know that there's so many angles that we can cut with this topic altogether. i just wanted to share one generic situation that i'm going through right now um before before we hit that the second discussion point. Um, sometimes you, it's not about the client paying you. You're caught in the middle between vendor and client. So mm-hmm. I have a situation where the, um, the client has informed, um, we've gone through a lot, of, a lot of internal organizational changes, a lot going on. In fact, my point of contact has shifted four times since Yikes. the kickoff in November. I had 50% down. But because of the number of revisions following pre pre press production, my I've I've had to inform like you you need to expect the rates gone up. But we've gone through too many revisions at this point, and not only that, but you can expect a higher invoice from the vendor as well. Well, now that they're wanting to hold, hold the project and complete it next month, which is a big fat joke, by the way, they're just telling me that. Oh. Um. They're not, they refuse to pay the vendor. So it's put me in a very awkward position with the so vendor. So you're a subcontract. I've been in court. Um, so I guess technically that is the case. So did you have to put money up for it or you just have a sub- relationship yeah. with that vendor that you're now? Yeah. I have a relationship with the vendor that has been sending me samples, that's been sending mm-hmm. me revisions, you know, and not only to my business address, but the clients to keep them informed on Mm -hmm. physically how the product is looking. And the client is now becoming a total bitch and is saying, we, I don't recall us signing any contractual terms that obligate us to contributing money to the vendor at all right now. And, you know, for me, I don't do an upcharge. I just supply what the vendor as an expense in addition to my invoicing. Here's yeah. the total yeah. the, based on the subtitle. And that's from exactly the why I would, that's why and I would. And they're refusing. Because you're taking on that risk. That's why I would. But they're refusing to pay the vendor altogether. No, I know, but, they won't pay any of their fees outside of MPN design. That's why I design. do an upcharge to kind of. Fact is, you're taking money. Mm-hmm. You're being paid extra because you're taking on that risk. But I have to supply. I have to supply documented 
um, expense of the vendor alongside w included to my invoicing. When do you not yeah, do but, that? But then you've so got, but then you're, that. your and that's project management fee goes on top of that. No, I take pride in not upcharging. People, <laughs> people love this about our business. I refuse well, good, to do but, that. Well, maybe what if you added the clause in the original contract that says if there are any exponential expenses outside anything we've talked about, including stock photography, fonts, uh, outsourcing vendor for expenses. vendor expenses, that's one that will be included. And I will show you the, and the, you know, that's what I've done because I think what I got a little burned on was sometimes was stock photography or printing. Sometimes a client thinks that's included. Yeah. So I've just made a note of those things that I always know they don't think yeah. they have to pay for and make sure yeah. it's in there. Yeah. Cause then if it's a change of guard, even read that, that those terms, <clears throat> by the way, but, but, but you could show that contract, whoever signed now. it three contacts ago, and you can yeah. say, Hey, Bob from last year signed this on behalf of your company. So guess what? Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. a part of it. But this, you know? this CEO, she's such a hardball player. I know she would come back with, okay, those might be your terms, but those aren't the vendor's terms. She's so like that. Well, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, that's why I get. But the yeah. only reason I wanted to contribute this story is because it, it's not necessarily always, this isn't necessarily always, always the case with non-paying clients directly. Uh, it can happen with these middleman oh, yeah. circumstances that get a little bit convoluted, to be honest. I mean, it gets a little sticky. Yeah. There are all sorts of different flavors of non-paying clients. Um, mm -hmm. And we even have a guide that we'll put out for, uh, for all your listeners that refers to 20 different types that we've, that we've developed individual uh, strategies for dealing with. Like your case is, it's definitely one that we've come across. Um, and we see most sure. of the companies we deal with are smaller, but we do see a lot of larger companies that, that you would think have their stuff together um, that have all kinds of organizational, just logistical failings um, in how their departments communicate and, and, you know, you get handed off from one person to another. Um, so, I mean, in your case, well, I would want to get into that contract and see what, what your original contract said. Um, you know, it's true that you want to, you want to update your neck, you know, your contract that you use in the future for this, um, and your contract should, by the way, be an evolving document that you, as you run into stuff, um, you, yeah. you fix it so that in the future yeah. you don't run into those things. But where you are right now, I think it comes down to what's in your original contract. At least you can go back and, and say, no, here, you agreed to pay the vendor expenses. But yeah, but let's move on to this next um, next topic um, because I know we're all curious about this in, in way of steps you can take to actually collect payment altogether. Yeah, so... Once you get to the point where you realize that there's something something fishy going on, and that can look a lot of different ways, it might be might be that your client ghosts you, it might be that your client says they're not going to pay you because they don't like the work you did, it might be because uh, your client um, says they ran out of money. Um, there are a whole lot of different reasons, but once your you know once your spidey sense comes up, the first thing you should do before you engage your client um, is to check in with yourself and make sure that you remind yourself that it's not your fault. Um, and this isn't just for touchy feely reasons that I'm saying this, but <laughs> you want to make sure that you're in a good headspace before you start engaging your client because you know, you, you, you get more honey. What, what's the, Oh God. More flies uh, with honey. Than yeah. Vinegar. You get more flies with honey. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know, and so uh, if you, if you <laughs> go in there guns blazing and are like, you got to pay me or else, you're much less likely to get a positive result in the interaction with your client. Yeah, the threat. Um, I yeah. can <laughs> It was my money. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. So, so that's a really key first step. Um, but once you've done that, you want to, and we already sort of started to talk about this, you want to put your client on notice and, and say, all right, look, just, and start to have a paper trail or an email trail or something. Um, but put your client on notice and say, hey, it's time to pay. Um, you know, I, I, if, if the project is still ongoing, you say, I'm going to have to stop work until, until you pay me. Um, if the project isn't ongoing, you still say it's time to pay. Um, I don't want to have to escalate the situation, but, but we will, you know, we will, if, if, uh, nothing changes here. 
Um, and you can, you can also, you can appeal to your client, depending on your relationship with the client and whether you think they'd be receptive to Mm -hmm. it, you might want to appeal to their sense of fairness or their sense of Mm -hmm. doing the right thing. Um, you can say, look, I need, Mm -hmm. you promised me you were going to pay me. I needed to pay my rent or to pay my employees or whatever. Um, there are a lot of different ways you can communicate, but the important thing is to communicate and, and Mm -hmm. to both have a paper trail and to pick up the phone, um, and and to confront them in person, like we talked about before. Now there's another step and I wouldn't necessarily encourage everybody to do this, but some people that I've, that have come to us have done this in prior cases and it's been successful. Um, some people do sit-ins on their clients. Um, they will go oh, wow. to the office and sit there and wait for wow. the person. This, this works really well when they're ghosting you. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Not everyone mm-hmm. has time to do mm-hmm. it, and 99% of people wouldn't sure. do it. Unless yeah. I get anybody else. I don't think I would ever you. have done it. It's very uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah. but maybe satisfying. Right. <laughs> but part of me is think part of me is thinking right. damn use I your judgment that. if you think yeah. if you think your client is going to be physically combative don't do it um mm-hmm. if you yeah. you know if you think you might get arrested don't do it um mm-hmm. but the people who have done it they're my heroes it's like i love yeah. these stories i want to i want to <laughs> hear some cool. stories about those people I, if you're one of those people call into the show we want to know your story <laughs> <laughs> and how it went <laughs> seriously um so once you've communicated that it's time to pay and they're still not being receptive, then you can start thinking about going up the chain. You can go to a person's boss, to their partner, to their employees, to their investors, um, to their vendors, um, and give them fair warning before you do. Tell them, hey, I, you know, this isn't happening. I have to take Say this again. up. Yeah. Yeah. I have to take yeah, this up a level. You have to take it up a level. Yeah. And then once you've given them fair warning, take it up a level. Um, then if that still doesn't work, um, you're kind of, you gotta, you're at a checkpoint, right? You got to decide whether it's worth, Mm -hmm. whether it's worth a real fight because Mm -hmm. the options that you have from here on out are more official. So you can go the do it yourself route, which is small claims court, um, which Mm -hmm. is both great and not great. Um, it's going to take your time. It's going to take a little bit of money to file, but to file the, the suit, but, most states, small claims court, it's going to cost you less than a hundred bucks to file. Um, okay. The way you initiate that is by sending a demand letter, um, which is pretty much the same thing that you've been sending in your emails, but in a more formal way. And you should send it both by email and by snail mail with um, a return a return receipt. A return. Um, so you have the evidence yeah. that they actually received it. Um, and... And we have a template up, a free template up for that on our website um, at freelancecollection.com. Um, you can find a million templates out there for for uh, for it online. So um, yeah. that's the first step in that process. Now, with small claims court, the good thing is you can do it all by yourself, um, assuming you're, mm-hmm. you either have the venue in your contract or you're close enough to your client to be able to avail yourself of small claims court. Um, but... You, when you win, you're going to get a piece of paper that says your client owes you the money. That doesn't mean your client necessarily is mm-hmm. going to pay you the money. So then you have a whole other process, potentially, if your client doesn't pay up, to collect the money. Um, so you could be looking at a long road. Um, on the other hand... So collections depends on getting a judgment from small claims court then? Not all collections. This is just if, okay. you, take the sm- if you take the small claims court route. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Other than small claims court, though, you, if you decide that either small claims court isn't for you or you don't have the possibility of small claims court, um, and by the way, it's a really good decision usually to at least think about what your time is worth. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to make it a hobby to, to get this client to pay and make it about the principal, more power to you, but you know, it's probably a healthier, mm-hmm. a healthier decision most of the time to move on with your life. Um, and, and either write it off or let the professionals deal with it. Um, so when you decide to let the professionals deal with it, you've got a choice. That's a good point. We easily get so obsessed with this stuff. I mean, 
Then because oftentimes it's about principle, like how yeah, dare yeah. they? There's this personal relationship, and it's like I'm going to get them back. I'm going to get them back. And there's this power play at hand rather. It becomes than drama. Just yeah. obtaining. It becomes. Oh, and drama. it's incredibly personal. I get that. Yeah. Um, but you got to take a step back and say, does this really make sense? You know, um, my time is worth X. It's going to take me. It's going to take yeah. me so long mm-hmm. to chase this down. Um, but for some people, small claims court is the right path. Um, but it's mm-hmm. just important mm-hmm. to check in with yourself and, and figure that out before you make make that decision. Yeah, yeah. good point. Really good point. Yeah. It's easy you to find, get lost in this. Do you find the demand letter has some success at that point? Because you know what I mean? I, I've, I, I'm, I'm curious on that because I've used it before and it was the first, I think it was like the first step you take, like you said. But uh, the one time I did use it, just from me, got nothing. But then when I used it through the the lawyer I was using through LegalZoom, and it was yeah. on their letterhead, yeah. whole other experience. And that's mm. that's about right. Demand letter on its own usually won't do anything. Every now and then yeah. it will. But what does do something? Sometimes True. it's the lawyer's legal head. Sometimes it's sometimes it's just having some something that is a little scarier than just you as a freelancer or as a small business. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the time it's, you know, filing a lawsuit, um, even if it's in small claims court, that's a whole other level. And then it becomes a lot more real yeah. to the person. Okay. So that can be very effective. Um, everything, everything beyond what you do on your own is more effective. Um, so, True. you know, all these steps that we're talking about they're worth doing. We wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't bother sending the demand letter if it never was effective. Mm-hmm. I think I've done one and I don't remember who, but I think I've sent a demand letter like within the past year and I don't remember the circumstances, but I think I got paid. You, you sent it to me when <laughs> I think you, owe, I, owed, I owed you like five well, you bucks know, pay, or something. Pay up. <laughs> <laughs> you deadbeat. Yeah. I bought you that coffee yeah. at Adobe Max. <laughs> I still have not been uh, reimbursed. But Steve, like, sorry to, de- I'm going to derail this for a second, but ask a different question. Um, is there ever a circumstance where you recommend just kind of negotiating with a, saying basically when you're still in that talking phase, say, how about this? What if you paid me half of what you owe me and we call it a day? Do you ever recommend that? Yes. Thank you. I, okay. I mm-hmm. sped past that in my, in my okay. steps, but that's definitely oh, no a step you should look at. Um, so when you think your client will be receptive to negotiating, you, it's, it's usually a good job to negotiate because you're going to save yourself time. And you know this makes sense when your client says they don't want to pay because they're not happy with the work. Or because they, or, or you know, because something went wrong, on, you know, they can't use the work or something, where it's clear that you did the work and that they're not disputing that um, that you did it to their standards. It's if, if, however, you have a client who says who just starts ghosting you, you don't want to, you know, start negotiating against yourself. Um, right. No way. If you have a client that says they can't afford to pay you, that's a really good time to negotiate and do it quickly because you want to get paid before they run out of money. Can't get water from a stone. So yeah. that number is just going to keep going down if you the more you wait. Right. So in all of these, you know, in every in every one of these steps, you want to act quickly. Um, that's always to your advantage. And in the collection industry, um, it's kind of the rule of thumb is that that an overdue account receivable loses 15% of its value every month. So, okay. Good to so know. You want to yeah. All right. So we've got small claims. Interesting oh, yeah, side note ahead, there too. Interesting side note I was going to say, um, and this is going for California only because we just did this during tax time. Um, you're only allowed $3,000 of unpaid uh, client um, invoices to claim in your taxes. Oh, huh. I didn't know that. Which was interesting because I went into it thinking I, I've, I'm owed a, a, a hefty amount of money of, from 2018. And I'm thinking I went in there thinking, oh, at least I won't get taxed for it, whatever. You're only allowed to claim $3,000 max. Okay. I didn't think California, you could do that at all. Which I thought was – I thought – Well, because you were you, – you know, technically you weren't paid, so it's not income and it might be on your books. Okay. But think about it. You know, you 
So, and, and so th- I thought that was quite interesting that, you know, really at one point, and this was the first year it was like that. It, it had changed. It, it was much higher. I think it was 7,500 the okay. year prior. So I just thought that was a yeah. little bit interesting. So all the more reason to make sure you don't let it get, like you were saying, Steve, to, you know, get it while it's hot. Yeah. Don't let it linger. Yeah, for sure. All right. Sorry to break into the middle of the show here, but I got to give some quick love to our friends over at FreshBooks. FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy to use a cloud accounting software for agencies and freelancers alike. They're going to help you work smarter, get organized, and most importantly, uh, with the theme of this here episode, get you paid quickly. FreshBooks has always been really great for designers. It's just a really intuitive interface, and the way they've got it built now, it's never been more friendly and more sexy to use, quite frankly. So uh, with literally two clicks, you can set yourself up with FreshBooks online payments and end up with money in your pocket sooner. Uh, With most FreshBooks payments getting paid in one day, you can't lose. So you may not even need any of this collection stuff when you got FreshBooks on your side. So uh, they've got everything. They've got multi-currency invoicing. They've got automated late payment reminders, which helps you avoid having that awkward talk with your clients about past due payments. Because obviously that's a, uh, you know, last ditch effort to getting paid. You don't even want to have to go there. And with FreshBooks, you probably won't have to. And their support is amazing. We know that. They answer in three rings or less. So to claim your 30-day unrestricted free trial, go to freshbooks.com slash deeply graphic and enter deeply graphic design in the how did you hear about us section. Again, 30 free days, unrestricted free trial. Go to freshbooks.com slash deeply graphic and enter deeply graphic design in the how did you hear about us section. All right, now back to the show. So we've got negotiating, we've got small claims court. What's the next option after that? The big guns. Yeah. So then, then the big guns. Yeah. Bring in the big guns and, and <laughs> you got to decide whether you want to go the legal route or what in the collections world is called the pre-legal route. Or the mafia route. Collection agency. <laughs> or the mafia route. Um, and we're by not, the way, when I started, lawyers. we're not lawyers. <laughs> I can help you there. When I, when I started this company, um, on the freelance collection site, I had some verbiage about what we do and what we don't do. And one of the things we don't do is I said, we don't break kneecaps. <laughs> um, and when I started getting into the collection industry, oh God, they hated that I even mentioned that. Oh, I'm sure. They, like, yeah, they, they were like, we're not going to do business with you if you have that on your website. <laughs> so so I, I, changed the, so uh, I changed the copy. It's one of those industries that doesn't have a big a lot of sense of humor about itself, I don't think so. No, yeah. no, they do not. Well, Obviously you have to not. think about it from their end. There's been so much bad press. Um, and a lot of broken, so lot of broken shins, of too. Oh, yeah. Probably. A lot of broken shins. A lot, yeah. And a lot of people who just get relentless calls from debt collectors. Yeah. So this is – all right, here's another tangent that I'll try and do quickly, but um, – the debt collection world is broken up into commercial debt collection and consumer debt collection. Consumer debt collection is um, stuff related to your household, your family, um, or or your. I'm trying to remember the exact way it's worded, but um, it's it's like student loans and medical loans and and personal yeah. loans, car loans, things like that. <clears throat> Credit card debt. Um, we don't touch any of that, and that's all. That's all where you see all the bad actors. Um, that's where all the bad press has been, and it's much more highly regulated um, than the commercial side. Commercial is business-to-business debt collection, and that's where we specialize. So mm-hmm. for the purposes of this conversation, we're okay. talking about commercial debt collection. Okay. Um, sure. Okay. So the decision between a debt collector and a lawyer straight off the bat, lawyers can – very simplistically, the, the difference is lawyers can be more effective, but they're going to cost you some money. Um, most lawyers in the collection industry, by the way, you don't want to just um, call up your family lawyer friend who's a generalist. This is a really specialized field, and you want to you you don't want to bring a knife to a gunfight. You want to have somebody who really knows what they're doing. Um, when you go to a commercial collections lawyer, um, most of them, most of the the good ones, will work on contingency, but you're going to have to front the amount that it costs to file the court. The file the suit and to serve process. So to have have a process server go out and and serve papers to your client or your client, your debtor, yeah, the defendant. And this sounds like it's um, for bigger money projects anyway, which maybe a lot of our listeners aren't really even at that level of. Is it, I'm picturing like 
a, gr- a lot of money involved at this point, right? So not as huge as you might think. Okay. It can make sense to sue for as little as three, four thousand dollars. Okay. Um, but if you if you're owed six figures um, or more than that, then maybe you want to consider paying an hourly fee instead of a contingency fee, which will run you, yeah. you know, thirty five, thirty three, thirty five percent somewhere in that range. Yeah. Or more. And I don't think that's um, most of our uh, wow. listeners at the, at the six figure mark. I doubt it, but. There's yeah. a couple of you out there. No, I and mean, good for you. Right. <laughs> yeah, if that's you, awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> for the rest of us. Um, Why are you listening? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so the other option is starting with a collection agency. Now, they'll also charge a contingency rate. Um, and it's not going to be – it's going to be about the same, maybe a little bit less than you'd pay to a lawyer as a contingency fee but a collection agency won't charge you anything off the top. Now, of course, a collection agency's toolkit is different than a lawyer's toolkit. A lawyer actually sues you in court. A collection agency gets you on the phone, um, tries to negotiate, tries to appeal to first your sense of fairness, and they start in a very sweet way. They say, hey, we're just calling to clear up you know, clear up the, this uh, invoice so we can all move on with our lives. But if, if it becomes more adversarial, there are a few things that they can do um, some collection agencies will report to the credit bureaus, um, but really most of them will just tell you that they will sue. Um, so it's sort of your way to to be able to use the threat of a lawsuit without actually having to shell out potentially good money after bad um, to go to go Got file it. the suit. Um, so for most cases that come into us, we first send them to co- to collection agencies, um, but you know we're not afraid to escalate to legal collections. Yeah. Once you start playing the game, you can't be afraid to raise it up the ladder, right? Raise it up the flagpole. So, (laughs) although, although sometimes you are afraid, sometimes it's a bluff, right? Um, you know, it's all a lot of the time here, but (laughs) yeah, nice. Yeah. A lot of the time it's never going to make sense for you to sue, but hopefully your client doesn't know that maybe they do. So, you know, you're not always going to be successful, but it's worth a try. Yeah. Yeah. Do most people, once you get to maybe that level that a collection case is happening, do you find some people kind of just say, oh gosh, I, I best, I best pay now. Oh like, yeah. Does that happen? I mean, that's, that's why we do it. It's that's, it, we are, yeah, we yeah. are that, that scary voice on the other end of the phone that, that makes somebody realize that it's serious. Sure. There. Um, of course it doesn't always work. Yeah. And sometimes there's a negotiation. So, you know, when, when we take on a customer, they pre-authorize us to settle for, to give a discount of up to 20% of the, of the amount that's due um, and to arrange payment terms of up to 12 months. But of course that's not the first, hmm. the first resort of, of the debt collector. Right. Um, you know, they, yeah. fortunately your interests and theirs are aligned. So mm-hmm. they want to get as much money for you as they can. So you start by okay. trying to get the full amount. All right, cool. Gotcha. All right, Cool. All right, well, you've got a guy that goes over at least 20 different types of non-paying clients. Let's get into each and every one of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's talk about your top three. Yeah, yeah. I, I can name about 40 and, of them, but I got one of them. And yeah. It's just, they're just- and before you get going, Steve, yeah. why don't you go ahead and give our audience the, uh, the URL to where they can get that guide for all 20 of these types? Because I would definitely want to read through that. Yeah, good spot. Yeah, so um, the... So the guide is called 20 Types of Non-Paying Clients and Strategies for Getting Paid. And if you go to freelancecollection.com slash deeply design, um, you can download the guide for free. Awesome. Thanks for providing that. Perfect, man. Thanks for doing that. That's fantastic. Cool. Sure. Very cool. So talk about your top three. What, what are these types that we're So And my we're top three defined as my three favorite or my three most horrible or <laughs> whatever makes the most <laughs> well, yeah, the three most common. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I know. Yeah. So the most common one we see is the client who ghosts you. Mm-hmm. So, so often people come to us and they, you know, they did the work or they're halfway through doing the work and, and the client just goes radio silent. Um, that's one of those cases where obviously a lot of this, a lot of the steps we talked about just don't work because the steps we talked about involve communicating with your client. So this is a really important time to remember that you need to act quickly because 
things become because debts become harder to collect as time moves forward. So you want to yeah. tell your client, um, you want to communicate with them in every way you know. So email the email they're not the email address that they're not responding from. Um, make phone calls to the to the the phone number that they're not picking up. Leave a message. Um, you know, make sure that you communicate to them that you're about to escalate this, and it's better for both of you if you can if you can get this settled without outside help because going to outside help means you're going to have to pay a chunk of what you earned to to a collection agent or to a lawyer, um, and and it also means that your client is going to have is going to have some pretty unpleasant things to deal with, so it's in both your interests to settle up. Um, so once yeah. once you've done that and give them you know, give them three days or so to respond, but not more. Um, then it's time to go to bring in the big guns. Um, and, and, uh, there's really not much else you can do when someone goes to you. It's a really tear your hair out. Cause it like, who would do that? Yeah. But coward this yeah. has exposed me to the worst of humanity. So I, sure. I no longer am surprised when I see people do it. Yeah. Hmm. A question on the, on the ghoster. Cause I guess the ghoster kind of feels let's say the ghoster is in a zone of um, wasn't, wasn't happy with the work or is paying you for or, and ghosting you for that reason. Have you found in cases it's helpful to have snippet, keep all your email correspondence of times where everything was going great. Like I, I could look back at times and I had emails that were like, everything is fantastic. This is fantastic. Oh my God, everyone's loving this, whatever. And then when they, they ghosted me, it was because they didn't think it was good yeah, enough. Yeah. A hundred percent. You should. So Having that stuff Having is valuable. That is valuable. Any email trail is valuable. Yeah. And by the way, I forgot to mention this before when we were talking about contracts, but actually we can make this the next type of non-paying client. <laughs> um, cool. The client Do who it. claims no contract. Um, okay. Ah. So we see this one a lot too. Um, it's especially common when, um, when, when you've found a client on Upwork or some other platform like that, which – I'm sure you guys have opinions about whether you should find clients on Upwork to begin with, but um, a lot of the time we see people who found a client on Upwork, then gone off the platform um, and started doing work for them off the platform, and they agreed with the client maybe over an email or a text exchange about the project, but they never had a formal contract. Okay. Oh, We see clients say, we never had a formal contract. I don't have to pay Hmm. you. Well, that's not true. Um, Again, I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal advice, but a contract doesn't have to be a formal contract that's signed to be a contract, to be a valid agreement. You have in writing, I really? mean, the bare minimum that you that you should get in writing somehow is I want you to perform this this right. task for this amount of money or at this rate. And once you have that, we can take the case. So, right. Wow, so good to know. That's, you know, that's a reason to to have that email chain. Yeah. Um, but of course, if you can show that your client was continuing to give you more work and knew what the hourly rate was, if you can show that the client, um, that the client was happy with your work and then just disappeared on you. Um, by the way, the assumption that, that you made that, that the ghosting client isn't happy with you, that's probably that Mm -hmm. that's less than half of the ghosting clients of the ghosting situations we see. Um, so much of the time it's, the, per- the person doesn't have the money to pay or is just trying to dodge yeah. the bill. Or I yeah. feel like this has happened to me before yeah. when they just lose interest in the project. Like yeah. they're kind of a more startup, it, not totally. even a, like kind yeah. of more of an idea of a business. And then they yeah. have a whim that, oh, I don't really want to start that business anymore. And they just move. Yeah. Like a pre-startup. Yeah. I think that's a whole other category that exists now more than ever because everybody and their mom wants to start something. And, we're typically kind of in the first yeah, phase of they all want a logo who they call and talk to. And, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. All right. Cool. So that right. was your second. And then the third, let's talk about people who actually don't have the money to pay or claim to not have the money mm-hmm. to pay. Um, that's a key distinction. Um, first, when, when a client tells you, and this is probably not a big company, this is probably a startup or a pre-startup or, um, or some yeah. small company. Mm-hmm. Um, when they tell you that they ran out of money or are running out of money, um, first you wanna you wanna express your your sympathy and tell them, you know, tell them that hey that that really sucks. I'm sorry that you're going through that, but quickly back that up with, 
However, <laughs> however, <laughs> this is my livelihood. And, yeah. and like where I you're going, Steve. <laughs> when, we, when you hired me to do this, I didn't price in the risk that you might go out of business. Um, so, so, you know, you want to, you want to be firm and you want to say, you know, it's your responsibility to pay me. Now, hopefully they respond positively to that. If they don't, that's a great time to start negotiating, um, and say, all right, well, look, you, you're a little short on cash. Um, how about you pay, you know, whatever percent of what, use your, use your good sense to figure out what percent you ask for, but whatever percentage you owe me, you know, whatever, whatever you owe me, how about you pay me 75% this month and, or maybe you set up a payment plan, but be careful with the payment plan because they might be out of business by the time they have to pay the third installment. Um, so yeah. you want to you wanna try. I like that 75, yeah. 25. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Right. Get the bulk of it. You if you know? can. I mean, get as, much, get as much as soon as you can. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of people with a client that claims they're going out of business, that's not an option. So then you kind of want to go into detective mode. You want to you wanna say, all right, if you're going out of business, have you filed um, the bankruptcy filing? And if so, you want to get your hands on that bankruptcy filing um, to, uh, so you can make sure that it's authentic, make sure that it's the same entity that hired you to do the work. Um, a lot of, a lot of the customers that a lot of the, the serial deadbeats that we see have, they've got like 20 different LLCs set up. Oh, and yeah. they can use the other so, ones. So, you know, when you signed your contract, wow. if you had a contract, <laughs> make sure that, um, make sure that, it's the same entity and they're not trying to play some kind of shell game to just get you to go away and not have to pay you. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, once you determine that if they are legitimately going out of business, there will be a trust, there may be a trustee um, who's, if there are assets, the trustee handles it is, is going to divvy yeah. those up among, among the creditors. So you at least want to contact that person um, and, Make sure you get in line. Yeah. Um, it probably isn't going to end well for you, but you might be able to get something out of that. Um, and then the other the other thing is, um, you it still might make sense for you to get in touch with a collection agency or lawyer, especially if they don't have that bankruptcy filed yet. Um, if they have the bankruptcy filed, not going to lie, your life is going to be a little tough with this. Yeah. Um, the odds aren't in your favor, <laughs> but. If they have, yeah, can vouch hopefully, for that. hopefully you can at least get something worked out to get paid in like spare ergonomic chairs or something, whatever they got laying around the office. Yeah, get that. Harman, get something. What is yeah. it? Harman, I, yeah, that one. Um, yeah, there you go. I already got that. Oh, very nice. <laughs> but that, that's, just, that's just, that, that we have no other way to, um, that in a situation like that where it is their entity and it's a bankruptcy. They're pretty much, there's nothing you can do, I guess, at that point. Um, because they, they are more protected at that point based on yes. going through it. Unless, right. unless you had that personal guarantee gotcha. in your contract um, that we talked about before. The, well, now that's a great question. You can't, if, if you put that in your contract, that is, you could say, even with the exception, uh, even in the event of well, bankruptcy. This is precisely the scenario you do that for. Um, you want to protect yourself in the event that you're doing work for some pre-startup that, you know, it's a dreamer. They've got a cool idea, but you're not sure how well capitalized they are, but yeah. they did form their legal entity. Sure. Um, that's the perfect time to hold firm on, on that, mm-hmm. on that contract point. Okay. But it has to be in, it has to be in yes. the contract. You have to say that specifically, even in the event of yeah, a bankruptcy. Because the whole, I mean, the whole reason, that you have an LLC or, or a corporation is to shield yourself or a big part of the reason is to shield yourself personally from liabilities of the company. Mm-hmm. So okay. the, the personal guarantee is, is a way to counteract that. Okay. Okay. Very good. Okay. Well, we're yeah. going to talk more okay. off- offline on this one. All right, Steve. Well, thanks so much for coming on. This has been amazing. Sure. Um, throw it out again. Where can our audience yeah, get a really, hold of that guy? Really useful. Yeah, so the guide is at freelancecollection.com slash deeply design. Um, and you want me to, should I give where they can find me and all our yeah, stuff? Yeah, go for it. Okay, sure. so um, if you if you 
think you might want to bring in the big guns. Uh, I think we're the best option out there. Um, we, so we're at freelancecollection.com and there's a form that you can fill out and you'll get a free consultation um, and we'll figure out if we're a fit or not. Um, and, and we're on all the socials at Freelance Collection, except on Twitter, we're FL underscore collection because Twitter had a character <laughs> limit. Um, Always. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, I'm sure there's something else I'm forgetting, but that's all that comes to mind right now. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Steve, so much for coming on. Killer. And um, we've never done this before, but we've gone, we've actually gone a pretty long today. So I'm thinking we're going to, no listener question today, but we'll make up for that because our next episode is all listener questions. So um, if you want to throw one into the show for us to answer, go ahead and email that to questions at thedeependdesign.com. And you know we love our audio questions, so go ahead and uh, record yourself asking and send it on in, and we'll read it on the next, or we'll play it or read it if it's a text one on the next episode. So, um, yeah, it's been a great episode. Thanks again, Steve, for coming on with us. And anything you guys want to plug or talk about? Well... No, that yeah. was totally enlightening. I'm glad we talked about that it. Hopefully, really, uh, and you're right. Fun. It was a great kind of um, companion episode yeah. to what we talked so about. So go forth Andrew. and get paid. That was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with that in mind, keep designing. Mm-hmm. Catch us next time on the Deeply Graphic Design Cast.